Psalms chapter 63, uh, we're going to start a new series, and I'm excited about this series. This is uh, uh, something that uh, I've really been wanting to teach on, and I think will be a tremendous blessing to us. And uh, we're going to, uh, and I don't know how long we'll be through this. Uh, sometimes I, I think it's going to be so long, and sometimes God shortens it, or maybe we'll take, the, take it the whole length of all the study material I have. But we're going to be talking about different attributes of God. And, uh, and then the reason we're going to be talking about different attributes of God not so just we can learn about him, although obviously we should, but also then, and here's where, here's where we're going with it, because you know me, uh, I believe that preaching ought to be practical, amen? It's not just something we fill our minds with knowledge, but we ought to be filling our hearts with wisdom, which is the practical application. Why do we want to learn about the attributes of God? Well, guess what? Because he wants us to be like him, amen? So the attributes he has, they ought to be replicating in our life. Amen. And so that's kind of where we're going with this series. But I want to uh, take you to a passage here, Psalms chapter 63. And this is kind of a, a platform to uh, launch out of as far as into these different attributes of God. So if you find your place, stay with me, if you will. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 6. Psalms chapter 63, beginning in verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longest for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Man, I could preach a whole message on that verse right there. Man, probably two or three messages on that verse. That is a powerful verse. I hope you got that. Amen. Hey, I hope that wasn't just black words and white paper, what we just read right there. Amen. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. And, and here's the verse I want to draw your attention to, verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for it, God. Thank you for your church. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here, God. What a privilege, what an honor it is. And Lord, I pray you meet with us tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray you be active in our midst. Lord, you know the needs of the hearts. And God, I, I don't know the need of every heart, but you do. And Lord, I pray that through the teaching and preaching of your word, God, that you would speak to hearts, God. You'd meet whatever need there is that's out there. And I pray that you'd help us as your children, Lord, to love you more. And Lord, not just love you more, but God, uh, be more like you. And Lord, that's, that's the goal. That's what you're trying to do is conform into the image of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you bless us now. Bless our Bible study. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are three particular things the Bible tells for us that we are to meditate upon. Now that word uh, meditate, uh, it means to muse. It means to think upon. Amen. Now get out of your mind that meditation is this, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eastern, you know, uh, sitting in a lotus position with candles burning all around you, you know, chanting things. That's not biblical meditation. Okay. Biblical meditation simply means to think about something kind of like this. All right. I like using this illustration. We're country folk. We get this. Amen. Uh, kind of like a cow, right? Y'all knew cows have, what, three stomachs, I think? Is that right? Y'all knew that, right? And you know what cows do, right? Okay. They, they, they do what they call chew the cud, right? They eat the grass and then later they'll bring it back up and chew on it some more. Okay. That's kind of a maybe somewhat gross but accurate picture of what biblical meditation is. It's where you, you, you think on something, you, you get something in your mind, 
And then you know what? Maybe you get busy about a task, but then throughout the day, throughout the week, through throughout maybe the month, you bring it back up and you just think about it and, and you allow it to go through your mind. And by the way, church, let me just say this, all right? If you don't fill your mind with the right kind of things, the devil will fill it with the wrong kind of things. Man, we got to guard our minds. Amen. That's a whole nother message. But man, you got to guard your mind. The best way to guard your mind is to meditate upon the three things the Bible tells you to meditate upon. Okay. The, the first thing, and I'm not going to turn, turn to every passage because this is not, this is not really in our Bible study. This is just a little bit of groundwork here. Okay. The first thing we're to meditate upon, surprise, surprise, is the Word of God itself. Amen. To meditate upon it, to think about it. And that's why I, I, I'm glad God did it the way He did. You know, sometimes we'll read through the Bible and we're like, God, why didn't you make this easier to understand? Okay. Well, guess what? We're not God. Amen. All right. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. Amen. God on purpose set the Word of God up in such a way to where, you know what? You got to dig some truths out of it. And I'll be honest with you. A casual reading of the Bible, yes, it's helpful. Yes, it's good, but you're not really going to glean the deep truths of Scripture just through a casual reading. You've got to dig it out, amen? You've got to mine it out. And a lot of that comes with biblical meditation. I'll be honest with you. When I study the Bible and read the Bible, there's things I don't understand. I'll just be honest with you. And I've been at this thing for a long time. Okay, I mean, I've been literally reading the Bible since I was a kid. I've been uh, in the ministry now for uh, almost 20 years, full-time ministry. And there's still things that I just don't quite get and understand. But listen to me, that's okay, amen? Because remember something, part of the job of the Holy Spirit, all right, along with being our comforter and our convictor and our sealer and all that stuff He does for us, hey, He's our teacher. He's our teacher. Amen. I'm going to tell you, as you begin to interact with the Holy Spirit of God and allow Him, if you will allow Him to, He'll teach you things. He'll, he'll give you truths, all right? And I'm not talking about this, you know, supposed, these people, these new revelations they suppose to come up with. No, I'm talking about teaching you truths from God's Word that He's already revealed to us, amen? And just trying to open up our minds of understanding. So we're to meditate upon the Word of God. We are to meditate, the Bible says, upon the works of God. Amen? The different things that God does, the different things God has done. We're to think about that. By the way, you start reading and you, you go through the Bible, and that's what's so amazing about reading this, re- reading the Scripture on a consistent basis. You start reading about all those amazing things God did. I just read it, I believe it was this morning or yesterday, uh, uh, toward the end of the book of Psalms. I think it was Psalms 146 I was reading. And it, it talked about how that God calls all the stars by name. Now let that sink in for a minute. Okay? I begin to think about that. I'm like, all the stars by name? Do you know how many stars there are? We don't know. <laughs> you, you can't even begin to fathom how many stars there are, but yet God knows them all by name. Man, that, that, that'll blow your mind. Amen? And here's the thought I had, and here's what I praise the Lord for today. Okay? It was today when I, when I read that verse. Lord, you're so big. You're so powerful that you put all those stars in the sky with six spoken words. Amen? And not only did you put them there, you're so big and powerful, you know all their names. But yet you're still not so big and powerful that you don't know me. Man, I tell you folks, isn't it amazing what the Word of God will do when you just just have a relationship with it? Man, it's powerful. So we're to meditate upon the Word of God, the works of God. I'm sorry, the, the yes, the works of God. And then here's where we're at tonight. And this is what I'm going to use as a platform to launch you to our Bible study. According to verse 6, notice, let me read it to you again. When I remember thee, 
upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. You know what we're to thank and meditate upon? The person of God. Who He is. And let me tell you, the Bible tells you a lot about Him. Amen? And who He is and what He's all about. And so that's kind of the launching pad for this Bible study. We're going to begin diving into different character traits of who God is. By the way, these aren't just things God does. These are things that He is. Okay? And then the reason we're going to do this, I've already alluded to this, but let me show you a couple verses here. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And then we'll get into the first character trait tonight. We're going to talk about our Lord. Romans chapter 8. Very interesting couple verses here with some specific words in there that mean some very specific things. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse... Um, Let's look at verse uh, 28 and 29. Romans chapter 8, all right? The most probably famous uh, verse in Romans chapter 8 is verse 28. And I I love to read it because there's there's powerful truths in it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And again, that verse in itself, man, you could preach messages out of that verse, but let's keep reading. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what we understand through this passage, again, within context, that the things in life that we don't understand, that God promises work together for good, there's a reason for it, and that's in verse 29, the fact that he is trying to, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. Amen? And so, folks, listen to me. The goal in life as a Christian, as we walk this Christian life, amen? And yes, thank God for the destination. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, I'm glad where we're going to be one of these days. I'm glad a hundred years from now, folks, all the little petty things of this life, maybe petty, maybe not so petty, but whatever in this life, is it going to matter then, amen? Because the destination. But listen, it's just not about the destination. It's about the journey. And here's what God wants to do through the journey is to conform us to the image of his son. That word conform uh, or that that means to be made into. And then that word I want you to look at is the word image. That word image means likeness. It means representation, resemblance. Isn't that interesting? Amen. Let's look at another verse here. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Turn over there quickly. All right. And notice again what we see. And this is part of that process that we're going through. Another Bible word for that process is sanctification. Uh, we see here verse 9 and 10. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, and having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Here it is, after the image of him that created him. Okay, so the goal is to be like the image of Him. By the way, the Him it's talking about is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or we could sum it up in this way, a simple way to say it. You've heard me say it before. The ultimate goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. Amen? And to be conformed to His image, His likeness, His representation, His resemblance. So here's what that means. What He does, we should do. Alright? How He behaves, we should behave. What he loves, we should love. What he hates, we should hate. Amen? 
And so the point of this Bible study, as we begin to go through and look at these different attributes of God, is so yes, we look at them, see how God interacted with this attribute, and then guess what? Then take on the responsibility of making sure that attribute is in our life. Amen? And it affects our living. And again, that's what the Bible is supposed to do. It's supposed to affect us. It's supposed to make us different. Amen? And so let's get right into it tonight. So take your Bibles. Let's go to Psalms chapter 98. Psalms chapter 98. Here's the first principle. No certain particular order we're going to look at these in. Uh, just um, as we chase them through the Scripture, just different ones come up different ways. Psalms chapter 98. And here's, here's what we're going to look at the first attribute tonight. And we'll find it in this verse, verse chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 9. Chapter 9, all right? And that is the word equity, equity, all right? Or the attribute, if we're putting it in, in the right form of the uh, English word as an adverb, uh, we would call it, uh, or, um, or an adjective, equitable, all right? Equitable, all right, here we go. Verse 9, before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity, all right, with equity. Now, we're going to be looking at a lot of more uh, passages of that tonight, but let's just get right into it and define it. The word equity, all right, what English word do we think of when we think of the word equity? We think of the word equal, right? Equal. Uh, equal, that's what it means. It means equal, even, level, all right? It's the treating of a person according to justice and reason. It's what a judge does when he is equal in regards to the rights of the people. All right. By the way, that's what the law is supposed to be. Have you ever seen a statue of Lady Justice, they call her? Okay. Holding the scale and the balances. What notable feature does Lady Justice have over her on her head? We all know, right? Blindfold. Why is that? Because the law is not supposed to be uh, for one side or the other. It's supposed to be equitable. Supposed to be. All right? That's the key word. All right? Supposed to be. It's not supposed to be about who you are. It's not supposed to be about who you know. It's not supposed to be how much money you have or don't have. It's supposed to be equal under the law. Isn't it amazing, again, as you begin to study American history and how our country was formed, of how closely related it is to the King James Bible, amen? I mean, the, the, the founding of our country is founded in scriptural principles. All right, but, but to be equal, that's what a judge is supposed to do. Equity is displayed in our execution of fairness with fellow man. And I'll just say this, folks. God is always equal and fair. Always equal and fair. All right, let's look at some scripture. Here we go. Ezekiel, go there. Ezekiel chapter 18. When God, when everybody, every single person stands before God one of these days in judgment. By the way, that's what the scripture says. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And it's not a matter of if the judgment, it's a matter of which judgment you're going to be before God facing Him at. Okay, as a Christian, you're going to face Him at the judgment seat of Christ, where we'll give an account of our stewardship. The things done or not done in our body. Amen, that's what the Bible says. And you know what that means? It's a big deal how we live as Christians. It's a big deal. It's a big deal what we do, what we don't do, how we act, how we don't act. It's a big deal that we live our lives according to God and His Word. You know why? Because we're going to face Him at the judgment seat, that's why. 
Amen? And then if, if a person's lost, they'll face him at the great white throne judgment. And of course, we've talked about that before. I'm not going to get into those things tonight. But Ezekiel chapter 18. But I can promise you, here's where I was going with that thought. That no matter which judgment you stand before, I guarantee the judge is going to judge in equity. Guarantee it. No questions whatsoever. Amen? All right? And uh, Jesus Christ will judge with perfect judgment. Look what we see here in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse uh, 29. Yet say at the house of Israel... Alright, again, God's calling them out for their sin and, 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 and pronouncing judgment on, on them. But instead of humbling and repenting, here's what they say. The way of the Lord is not equal. Okay, that was their complaint against God. God, your way is not right. Okay, God, you're just not fair, God. That's what they were saying. Oh, house of Israel, alright, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Okay, God says, you got it all wrong. Amen. My ways are equal. It's your ways that are out of whack. Verse 30, therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone, here it is, according to his ways, saith the Lord. Amen. Listen, folks, God gives us free will. Thank God for that. But we are accountable with what we do with our free will. Whether or not we walk in his ways or our ways. We're accountable for that. Amen? Now notice what God's answer for that is when somebody isn't walking in an equal way. Here it is. You ready? Repent! Hey, there's a word we need to be talking more about. Repent! Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Ruin. Amen? Man, that's a powerful verse. Repent. Turn. That's By the way, that's what the word repent means. It means a turning of the mind. You turn, turn yourselves for all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. So yes, God's ways are equal. They are equitable. Amen. Now, let me say this. Equity, then, ought to be a quality in every single one of God's children, especially in leadership. Especially in leadership. Okay, again, we must be even when it comes to uh, our, our, the positions of authority God gives us. Equity keeps us from, from uh, showing, here's the Bible word, the Bible phrase, respect of persons. Okay, again, uh, uh, based upon a person is, that's what we determine what's right. Okay, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as this, situational ethics. Re- referring to, well, I'll determine what is right based upon the situation. That is not what equity is. Listen, folks, Bible principles are to determine what the outcome is regardless of the situation. Okay? And so we see here many, many Bible principles about this character trait of the Lord known as equity that must be then in our lives. So let's look at some of them tonight. Okay? And then we will, uh, we'll look at a few places and we'll be done this evening. All right? Let's, let's go to Psalms chapter 99. All right? If you're in Ezekiel, just back it up a couple books. Psalms chapter 99. Man, just chasing this one word through the scripture. And you found, you find it in, in, in a couple different forms. Equity. All right. You find that exact word. Uh, you find, um, uh, different, uh, a few different forms of that word as you chase it through the scripture. All right. Uh, notice what it says here. Psalms chapter 99 and verse four. All right. Verse four. Bible says this. The king's strength also loveth judgment. 
Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Now, this is a prophetic psalm, all right, talking about one of these days, the coming millennial reign, all right? And that's how God is going to reign one of these days. And we know that's true. If you go back and uh, see what it says, it says, The Lord reigneth, verse 1, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubs. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. And then our text verse, the king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Amen. So we see the fact that the word equity is usually attached to that of judging or that of uh, making uh, 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 judgment type calls or or having to establish things with, with, with authority. Amen. And of course, when God does that, he does it in equity. And by the way, that means this. Our lives, when we have to make uh, judgment calls, when we have to, uh, as we're working with people, as we're as we're, we're involved in situations, we must always be equitable in those situations. All right, let's go to Proverbs chapter two. We'll look at several verses in the book of Proverbs tonight. Proverbs chapter two. Let's begin reading at verse six. Verse six. All right. Now, what you find here is that equity is a byproduct of wisdom. All right. And that, that's, that's, of course, the theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom. And that is the goal is to get wisdom. Amen. And have wisdom. And if you have wisdom, then you will have equity. Notice what it says. Verse six. For the Lord giveth wisdom and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the pass of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Verse nine. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. So, again, what we see here is that God is the source of those things. Because He is equity, He is equitable because it's part of His uh, of His nature. Thus, He in turn will part that to us if we ask Him for it, if we seek after wisdom. And a part of having wisdom is also having equity. Now, I don't know about you, there's been times in my life where I haven't made the right judgment call. Okay? And looking back, okay, what do they say? Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It wouldn't be nice if life had a rewind button. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay? Man, so many times it's like, man, I just wish I would have handled this a little bit differently. Okay? We've all been there. But here's the thing. Learn from it. All right? Don't do it again. And the next time you're faced with it, face it with equity. All right, with, with the type of judgment, with the type of decision making that God would have if he was there, him doing it. So he is the source of equity. All right. Listen, you can't have these things if you don't have the right relationship with the Lord. Amen. Listen, if you're still struggling just to read your Bible and have a, a, uh, a prayer communication with God every day, you're not going to have equity. OK, let me, let me just let me just be real honest. OK, let's just let's just get where the rubber meets the road. All right. Most Christians make all the decisions based upon the flesh. Let's just be honest. Okay? That's how, you know how that, by the way, that's not, that's not hard, really hard to understand. That's not hard to look at a person and tell. Because when you make fleshly decisions, it, it comes out in fleshly behavior. All the time. Amen? And truth be told, that's how a lot of Christians make decisions. But that's not how God wants for us to live and make decisions. 
and how we are to our interaction with others and how we are to uh, treat people and how we're supposed to be leaders. No, we're to do so with wisdom and thus with wisdom, equity. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. Of course, Proverbs is loaded with it. We could just stay in the book of Proverbs all night, but there's a few other passages I want to take you to. Proverbs chapter 17. Look here, if you will, at verse 26. All right? Notice what he says. Also, to punish the just is not good, nor to strike princes for equity. Now, that's an interesting verse, okay? I had to meditate on that one for a little bit today, all right? To punish the just is not good. Okay, and 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 the judge is making that statement. All right, to punish the just is not good, and I think we would all agree with that. But the second part of that, okay, nor is it good, we could say, to continue on uh, the thought from the previous statement, to strike princes for equity. Think about that. What's that mean? To strike princes for equity. All right. Best I could tell from studying those words out. Here's what that means. All right. It's not good to try to make under-the-table deals, okay? Strike the prince for equity. Or, or trying to hit somebody up to slant it your way is what he's trying to say. Or we would say trying to grease somebody's palm, okay? That's kind of a, a, a statement you, you use today when, when you're trying to maybe bribe somebody or, or you're trying to get somebody to do something you want them to do. Maybe an under-the-table deal, if you will, okay? And again, we see that a lot going on, do we not? It seems like if, if your name is, if you have a certain last name or you have a certain amount of zeros in your bank account, you could pretty much get by with just about anything, it seems like. Okay, but that's not how God sees things, nor should it be that way when we're dealing with people. Amen? We're to deal with people in equity, in fairness, based upon what is right. Based upon what is right. All right, now let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11. By the way, I'll tell you what, real quick before we go there, let me show you another verse I have marked down here. Proverbs chapter 18. And again, here's, here's, we're good at this one. All right. We're all good at this one. I know I've made this mistake before and I've had to learn from this. All right. Look what he says here. And this goes right along with equity, with uh, dealing with people and, and making judgment calls. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Okay. Listen. You can't be equitable if you don't hear both sides of a situation. Right? Okay? Because I'm just going to tell you what we're masters at. Every single one of us are masters of slanting situations our direction. We all are. Okay? If we're telling a story and it has to do with, you know, somehow getting in trouble or going to get in trouble or whatever. It's not just kids that do this. Come on. We adults do the same thing. I mean, come on. Next time you get pulled over by a policeman... All right, well, I, I was trying to get this place, or, or I was, you know, uh, I had an emergency. No, you know what we're doing? We're slanting in our direction. Okay, we all do that. All right, how about this? Next time you get pulled over, a policeman just say, I'm guilty. Just say that. Maybe you won't get a ticket for being so honest. I don't know. Or maybe you'll get double, whatever, okay? But, you know, just stop it. All right, trying to slant everything our direction. Because if human beings, we do that. Listen, folks, whatever area that God gives you uh, oversight in, okay, maybe it's uh, an employer-employee, okay, maybe it is a relationship with your children, whatever it is, okay, uh, listen, you got you can't just automatically assume it's one thing without hearing both sides. 
Okay, because you you once you hear both situations, then you can make the right equitable judgment call. For example, all right, I think maybe one of the most um, uh, amazing uh, illustrations of this is Solomon. Okay, remember the story when he first became king and he prayed for all that wisdom and God just gave us one illustration of the wisdom that he gave Solomon, how he handled the situation with the two women, okay, that uh, both had babies and uh, they... Um, they were, uh, uh, they, uh, uh, one had rolled over on the other one and, and killed it, and then they were fighting over it, and they bring it to the king, and the king's like, well, I'll tell you what, let's just cut the baby in half, and you can have half, you can have half. And the one woman's like, yep, go ahead, let's do it. And that right there automatically let Solomon know who the true mother was. Because the other mother's like, no, no, she can have the baby. I mean, I mean, looking back at that, we're like, man, that was genius, okay? Where'd that come from? It came from the wisdom God gave him. Okay. Now listen, sometimes in life you're going to have a, what we call a divide the baby in half situation. And you've got to hear both sides of that. And you've got to ask God to give you wisdom to make the right equitable judgment call in it. Amen. Very, very important. Okay. And the only way to do that is to hear both sides of the matter. And how about this? Keep your emotions out of it. Man, some, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get certain things just, just stir me up. Okay. Because I'm a human being. And I hear certain things, maybe somebody said, somebody did, it instantly wants to rile me up, and i got to call myself down, no, wait a minute, I'm just hearing one side of that, okay? What's the other side of it, all right? And then, well, once you hear both sides, with God's help, make the right judgment call, the equitable thing to do. All right, Isaiah chapter 11, let's go there. Isaiah chapter 11, a few pages over there, back into the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 11. I think it interesting, you find a lot of these Character traits dealing with and the fact of uh, uh, you know uh, Israel and and all their sin and all the mess they were in, and you find a lot of these character traits dealt with that in those Old Testament books. Hebrews chapter eleven, and uh, let's beginning in re- uh, reading in verse one. We'll read verses one through four. Okay. By the way, this is prophetic here. We're talking about the um, uh, the uh, uh, the millennial kingdom. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now this is talking, of course, about Christ. This was fulfilled in him. And then on down, we'll talk about the millennial reign. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel uh, and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. By the way, you What's interesting? You go to Revelation chapter one. You know what you find? It's called the seven spirits of God. We're before the throne. Here they are. He names them what they are. Okay, they're the 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 spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Those are literally uh, burning spirits that surround the throne of God, according to I believe in Revelation chapter one. Okay, and all those were fulfilled within Christ. He had those upon his life. All right, now, let's see where we're going. Verse 3. And shall make of him quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breach of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Now, this is a prophetic verse about the millennial kingdom. When Christ himself is going to reign from Jerusalem. Amen. He literally will sit on a throne in Jerusalem and rule the earth. And then we as Christians will 
be deputized underneath him at different levels of authority during the millennial reign for the thousand year uh, reigning period. Okay, but it tells us here how the law is going to be. All right, how Christ is going to uh, deal with people. All right, I think it's interesting here. Isn't that neat? What it says: He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. Okay, we're talking about Jesus Christ here. All right, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. It's not going to be just particularly what he sees and what he hears because it's all going to be in righteousness. It's going to be what is right is is what he's telling us here. Amen. And by the way, if he as the ultimate judge, if you will, the ultimate king, how do you think we, his subjects underneath him, are going to do it as well? Right here. It outlines it for us. We'll do it with righteousness. Amen. And reprove with equity. All right, with evenness, with fairness for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. You say, wait a minute, I thought this is, uh, there is no more sin. Again, you got to study the scripture. you got to know what time period we're talking about. We're not talking about in heaven. This is the dispensation of the, uh, of the kingdom, the kingdom age. Okay, and yes, there will be people that survive the tribulation period that enter into that millennial reign as human beings, just like they are right now on the earth. They'll repopulate the earth and the sin curse will be lifted, but they'll still have their free will. And you know what? They'll have to, with that free will, either choose to follow Christ or not follow him. But I'll tell you this, if they don't follow him, why do you think the Bible says he's ruling with a rod of iron? Okay. It's not a, you know, a, a rod of tissue paper. Okay? You know what iron, the significance of iron is? Iron has no give in it. It means it's perfect justice, perfect judgment, equity. Amen? And that will be the theme of the, of the millennial kingdom, perfectness, evenness, fairness. All right? Now, those being ruled over are going to be the people on the earth, all right, that, that come through the tribulation period. That's a whole other Bible study. I'll teach you about it sometime. But all that to say, that's how the judgment will be done with equity. All right, then let's look at one more passage here. Go to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Man, listen, folks, God's all about this, amen? And listen, if He's all about it, we ought to be all about it. If he's equitable, we ought to be equitable in our dealings with people. Amen? All right, Isaiah chapter 59. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. This will be our last passage. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 13 through 15. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Okay? That's what Israel's doing. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Maybe I, maybe I said that wrong. Maybe I meant to say that's what America is. Because that's exactly what's going on. Amen? Just as Israel did, we're doing. Man, what, what a, what a uh, indictment against our generation. Truth is fallen in the streets? Wow. I mean, folks, there's things... There is so much wickedness that goes on in the streets of this country. Okay, let me just take a quick detour, educate you a little bit. All right? Monkeypox. Okay, monkeypox. Do you realize what that even is? Do you realize that is a disease that, for the most part, is only contracted amongst sodomites? 
It's a judgment against uh, the sodomy, the sin of sodomy. Okay, that's pretty much what it is. Okay, do, do, do a little, turn off the stupid idiot box, amen? Do not get your opinions from media, okay? Figure some things out for yourself. Uh, they just declared today monkeypox as the next, you know, whatever, health emergency or whatever stupid thing you want to try to do to cram their agenda down our throat. All right? Okay, in the midst of all that, okay, going back to where I was talking about truth falling in the streets, I believe it's either this week, next week, sometime within the next week or two, is the most perverse, wicked, sodomite parade going on in the streets of, surprise, surprise, San Francisco. I'm, and don't even... Don't even attempt to figure out what's going on there. I read a description of it and almost made me want to puke. I'm talking about the, the dredges of, of wickedness is going on. The dredges of it. In the streets. In the streets. Right? Truth has fallen in the streets. What, what an indictment against Israel, against America, and against most of the nations of this earth. Amen? Okay, let's keep going where, where we're going with these verses. He departed from evil, making himself a prey, and, and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Man, did you hear that? You think, you think people are getting by with that stuff? Do you not think the God of heaven is not paying attention? Oh, he's paying attention, all right, folks. And the only thing that's keeping him from obliterating this planet, all right, is his mercy. And, that, that, and that's about done. Just telling you, it's about done. Just like the door in the ark eventually closed, the door on the age of grace is about to close, and it's closing with the sound of a trumpet. Amen? And then guess what? Mercy will no longer be poured out, or judgment will no longer be poured out with mixture. It's coming, man, the full wrath of it. Okay? But back to verse 14, and equity cannot enter. Okay, listen, because of, of the sinfulness people have given themselves over to, there's no room for equity. There's no room for fairness because they're consumed with sin. Amen? And listen, folks, that's an indictment against a wicked, sinful culture. By the way, that may be what they do, but that shouldn't be said of us as God's people. We need to be equitable in our dealings with people. Amen? As we deal with others in our relationships, as we deal with our children, as we deal with any situation in life, remember this great attribute of our God. And listen, remember, we're conformed to His image. What He is, we need to be. So let's keep that in mind the next time we have a situations come up. Amen? And let's make sure we handle it with equity.